Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. Sounds like a question for Aaron Baker of Axiom Strategies. Uh-huh. And lucky for you, Quaid. Lucky. We'll, be, we'll have him on the show today so you can ask him. Well, that's why I posed the question. Not just before the show started, but I also posed that question, uh, I believe, on our teaser video uh, that is up at uh, the Morning Meeting Facebook page. I love how you say our as if I've ever participated in one. There are a couple of videos <laughs> where I'm the... where I'm tangentially involved. Yeah, yeah. There was and one. By a couple, you mean one? Well, there was one where I was late shooting it because stuff happens here at Radiotopia, and you were just making goofy faces over my shoulder the whole time. <laughs> I did not publish that one. It still, however, is on my phone with you. Why wouldn't you publish that? making it? Well, a when I was recording it, the show was essentially starting. And I thought, well, what's the point of putting a teaser out when the show's going on? Here's and then a you trailer were just... for the movie you're already watching. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then you're just making silly faces over my shoulder the whole time. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, this one's really kind of not getting it done. Welcome to my level of maturity away from the microphone. That's <laughs> essentially and, what you found out. And people who know you... Uh, already know this, and for those of you who who just know Sean from listening to the show, yeah, that's he is who you think he is. That's, I'm kind of a goofball. Yeah, welcome to the kind of. welcome to the autumnal equinox edition of the morning meeting. What are you doing? Quaid's celebrating. He's taking the next uh, three shows off yeah. to go revel. It's like a Burning Man style thing that I think you're involved in. No. Uh, I'm going to have to have no. the FBI profile you because. No. Every time you do this, no. you head south of the Mason-Dixon line and become a little bit more southern radicalized. I don't know that that, that Louisville is south of the Mason-Dixon line. I believe line. it is. Mm. I believe it is. Producer Josh says it is. Okay. All right. My, are you uh, practicing? Is that sweet tea? Are you practicing? This is not sweet tea. <sighs> but it is sweet. No, I've got some family things that need to be attended to, so I need to go hand it. It's got nothing to do with any any man burning or sweet tea or anything like that. I'm not. I'm not going to. You know, it's not an R and R type of a situation. So, I'll believe you. <laughs> I'll believe. So you. I'm just for all the listeners who who get these wild stories of what happens when I'm away. No. Oh, very much. No. Yes, this is the theater of the mind. I'm telling you right now, whatever he and says tomorrow, next Monday or Tuesday, no. And are, by the way, I'm supposed to be on the show. You're an adventurer. Next Tuesday. Yes. Well, you're not supposed to be. You're going to be. <laughs> you know, it is our show. <laughs> yes, well, I mean, next from Monday, the road. Monday night is the first debates between Hillary and Donald Trump. 
And there was an excellent article on, I think I, eh, I might not have printed it out. I, 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 you know what I did? I printed it out and I put it in tomorrow's file to talk with Craig Robinson about. Excellent article. I can't remember the author off the top of my head, but it was on realclearpolitics.com. Mm-hmm. And it took a historical look at how valuable in terms of polling data changes debate season is and the way they describe debate season was all three presidential debates the vice presidential debate and then the 48 hours uh, on either side of it ahead of the first one and after the last one of media coverage that people are exposed to okay and what it found was going all the way back to 1960 uh, that the pre-debate season polls are actually very predictive of the post-debate season polls. There was a lot of chaos and movement within that season, but the polls are usually uh, within the polling margin of error, 3% accurate after debate season uh, to what they are pre-debate season. We're going to talk with Craig about that Hmm. a little bit tomorrow. But I thought it was very interesting, all the historical data they had. uh, You look at at debates of the time, uh, 84 with uh, Reagan and Mondale. Reagan had a very loose close uh, to one of the debates that actually uh, caused people to worry that that his age was was setting in and, and, and sort of slowing him down, claiming some of his mental capacity. He rallied at the next one and ended up winning huge, of course. Uh, So it it looks at what happens within the debate season and then how much the polls after it actually resemble those going into it. So I I thought it was very interesting, and we'll talk a little bit more about that with Craig coming up tomorrow. And tomorrow, uh, Darren LaHood going to join us here Uh, on the morning meeting. We were pushing for this earlier in the week, but he wasn't available. Darren's sponsoring legislation in the House that would prevent – presidents or the U.S. uh, from making payments to to foreign powers without extensive and exhaustive vetting that is also then turned over to, and I'll let him use the specific language of the bill. I can't remember if it's the entire House or just the appropriate uh, subcommittee, committee that that the payment would come from. Obviously, it's Mm going to be part of uh, Ways and Means uh, because they're in charge of the purse strings. So we'll let him explain it in detail tomorrow and why they're pretty much ramping up for an Obama veto on it. But you still need to have the conversation and the fight. The conversation needs to be had. The fight needs to be had. Obviously, the president's going to veto it because he did an end around uh, the treaty clause. To that in January, right? He did an end around uh, the treaty clause so that uh, payments could start being made uh, to to Iran, so that that deal uh, could be made and he could circumvent. Congress in in doing it. So I I understand Congress actually standing up and saying, no, uh, we have a a role in this whole process and you can't just do an end around around us because we would probably tell you no in the first place. Uh, So uh, I I get why Congress is standing up, but I also understand why the president is going to veto it because if he doesn't, then he's essentially saying, this is me admitting I shouldn't have done what I did in the first place. Correct. Correct. Uh, Speaking of vetoes, the very first veto override of the Obama administration may be on tap. This is an interesting one, and I'm not going to say these words very often, but I side with the president on this one. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, you yeah. don't know what the issue is. Well, no, so I don't. <laughs> kind of withholding that from you. Uh, this is over the bill that would allow those affected uh, by terrorist attacks on 9-11 to sue Saudi Arabia. 
case has been a hot button bill going going on. Uh, it passed both the House and the Senate, and it looks like because the Senate originated it, they're the ones that have to send it over uh, to the White House. And Obama has spoken out against this, and he is expected to veto it. But it's also considered to be the only bill that may see a successful override because both sides of the aisle have voted for this bill, essentially allowing individuals to sue a foreign country for damages. Not other individuals. Right, not other individuals. But a, a an actual government mm-hmm. of a foreign country. Interesting. Yeah. I, the, the president and I agree on this, but for, for vastly different reasons. Um, he's playing geopolitics by not wanting it to seem that Saudi Arabia is somehow a state sponsor of, of terrorism or that they were involved or, or their looseness of, of policy and, and law enforcement allowed the environment to thrive that, that produced this, however you want to couch it. I just think it's purely, purely uh, a bad precedent to set to allow private citizens to sue a foreign government. Well, where would that trial take place? That's a good question. I don't know. I would assume at the Hague, at the World Court. But I don't know. Then you would You can't need, have it here in the U.S. Well, but that's where the legislation is being debated and, and passed and uh, To allow vetoed. citizens to sue. So the Hague yeah. isn't involved. Not in this, until this somebody and, actually files a suit. And, I would assume that once, once you, you have standing and you file a suit, then you're not going to have that trial in the U.S., that would just seem silly to me. Uh, are you? Yeah. Is a court here in the United States going to subpoena the government of Saudi Arabia? Uh, who's delivering those papers? And are they going to show up? You know what I mean? Yeah, Saudi so, Arabia. But at You've the same at the same time, what are most of our elected officials? They're lawyers, so they obviously well, understand the legal angle on this. Travis Aiken can't comment on that. <laughs> So they, I would think they, they would, but this just, just seems like a bad precedent to set. If you have a grievance with a foreign, if you have a grievance with someone else, there's obviously precedent to sue a person. But to sue a foreign government, I, I think this just sets up a horrible precedent. And, and this is something that I would not be for opening the door for. I think what you're, you're being worried about is the boomerang effect. That well, well what that happens too. when when, when people we're get sued. sued is a lot of times you're you're following money mm-hmm. and globally well, good, good because then the U.S. won't be sued because the debt's so high we can't pay anything. <laughs> I don't think the world looks at it that way. Uh, I think the, that uh, the world still sees us as especially because the dollar still at this point in time as of ten sixteen as of the autumnal equinox is is the you know default currency. So I, I think they would still look at us and say, well, you can go into further debt because I've been wronged and we're I'd like to sue the United States. I think there would be such a huge backlog of people. <laughs> around the world wanting to sue the United States. That backlog is longer than the state of Illinois' unpaid bills. <laughs> and it hasn't even happened yet. Yeah, so this this just a bad, and you bring up that point that I was going to get to, the, the precedent uh, that it also opens this country up to as well. So uh, same idea, but for vastly different reasons. Uh, the president and I actually uh, landing on the uh, same whammy square. Ask Darren about that, that uh, tomorrow. 
Yeah, yeah, we, we will. As part of the uh, part of the conversation uh, around his bill going forward uh, to uh, not disallow the payments, but to have exhaustive and extensive evidence before they can even be considered. So we'll, that'll dovetail into tomorrow as well. Coming up this morning on the morning meeting, looking to secede from Cook County. This is going on this morning. We'll talk about this and figure out whether or not we can shame Quaid before he leaves on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Mark Levin, and you're listening to the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. That might become an ongoing gimmick on the show. Get Ladbrokes on the line. We're going to need a line on that. Yeah, it should be a good game Friday night uh, here on Talk Radio 930. WTAD. Quaid, how many types of shaming have you been exposed to? We've had body oh. shaming in society. Yeah. Uh, we've had uh, a, a variety of different things. Man shaming. Uh-huh. How about grew up with that? Lunch shaming. Lunch shaming? A school cafeteria worker called it quits at a uh, Pennsylvania school district. Lunch lady said no more? Said no mas because she was made to take a hot lunch away from an elementary school student. Why would you take lunch away from a child? That goes against the lunch lady creed. Because the, the child's parents were behind on the lunch payments. Okay. She called it lunch shaming. Quote, I'll never forget how his little eyes welled up with tears. (laughs) Now, he didn't go hungry. They just gave him a cold sandwich, some fruit, and milk. All right. Now, so this is the the new policy of the Cannon-McMillan School District. The district superintendent said uh, the policy has drastically cut down on parents who don't keep current on lunch accounts for their children. Some had run... Uh, over a thousand dollars behind. Ooh, well, that's kind of quite yeah. the thing. Now, it, it, but here's the thing: Let seventy me- families had accrued open lunch tabs of uh, totaling twenty thousand dollars. Well, there's a problem uh, <laughs> going on there. Um, but the lunch lady creed that uh, children should eat, and I don't know that that's the lunch lady creed, but it seems to me if the lunch lady had a creed, that it would be let the children eat. They, they're the ones who open the bags of food, so they get the plastic decoder and, rings. And here's the... They and, have and, the lunch lady cream. And, and if the administrators were like, you go take that lunch away from that kid. If I'm the lunch lady, I go, you know what? I'll pay for his hot lunch today. Here. Here's the couple of dollars or or whatever it, it's up to these days. I'll, I'll cover that. Because you know what? There are kids out there who do that for each other. I know this takes place. Mm-hmm. If 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 you don't want to have that lunch that day or whatever, here I'll go get it and you can eat it. It happens. I I don't understand. And we're talking elementary school kids. Yeah, here. we're not talking like high school oh, kid and who and woke happens, up late, forgot his wallet, and can't have lunch. And it happens in junior high and and I'm sure high school as well. You can guess which one of my buddies I went to high school with and basically paid half my lunch tab for my entire high school there career. Be- not because we couldn't, because. I was too lazy to remember to bring the money. Ah. So that's what it sounds like they're trying to crack down. But lunch shaming 
That's the new thing. I just it, a. I don't think there should ever be a situation where you you have to tell the lunch lady go take that hot meal away from that child. <laughs> lunch lady powers. <laughs> I'll pay the two fifty. <laughs> lunch shaming. That's the new uh, embarrassment that apparently is going to be. Uh, sweeping our society. Last night, and, riots uh, continued in Charlotte. It, Go ahead, lunch it, lady. I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking about it All right, now, now. You'd look good in a hairnet. What hair state net. did this happen in? I Pennsylvania. Would. Okay, do they not have? Get I you mean, a beard net. Too. Maybe, maybe I've just been Illinoisified for most of my life. But don't they have uh, degrees of lunch assistance? Yes. And, then, and well, I didn't then, get into all that. These were only. Uh, uh, being, uh, it was only being taken. Up. This is actually what this is: is wealth shaming. Because this was only being enacted against families who were deemed to have the means to pay the bill. Okay, so they didn't qualify. So if you were on any kind of assistance, qualified assistance, food assistance, there is no recourse and they will not take your lunch away. But if your parents have gone out and gotten themselves an education and a good job, then they will take your food away. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, and they'll, they'll, they'll take your hot food away. Give you a cold sandwich, <laughs> which seems, I don't know. That just seems ridiculous to me. <laughs> I'm not for turning like seven-year-olds away. You can't have grilled cheese. On lunch. Here's bologna. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no food for you. Here's a bologna sandwich. Uh, with, uh, right. Well, that, that was just lunch shaming, wealth shaming. Uh, all, all kinds of uh, messages being uh, encoded there. Whether or not you have the uh, lunch lady decoder ring to figure them out, I guess, is uh, up to how much you want to participate in this metaphor. Riots uh, over the in, in Charlotte over the police shooting. Uh, second straight night last night. Uh, four more officers suffered non-life-threatening injuries uh, in the unrest. Uh, um, protester got shots on life support. Yep. By another protester. I don't. The police didn't shoot the right. protester. Right. This is now protesters shooting protesters because uh, I don't know. It's it's and, not not his protest. And and a and a media personality who we know when these things start up, the media are all over this. So you there see, there's a certain segment of what we do that are drawn to this. It takes the same mindset as for somebody to go stand in a hurricane mm-hmm. and report live from the hurricane. But there are some uh, glory hounds. Well, uh, who will go out and do this? And they go and they get in the middle of it. But, but last night, uh, the the protesters decided that one of the media people needed to be in a bonfire uh, or a trash yeah, barrel fire, and, and the cops had to save media personality from being thrown into the fire. Uh, so now the National Guard button has been pressed. Yes, the state of emergency has been declared by the governor. So extra chips have been uh, pushed into the riot pot for this evening's. Activities. How long ago was I in Charlotte? Was that 2011? Mm, has it been that long? Or 20... It's been five years well, since you tore Charlotte apart. Uh, it was that the winter we had the the horrible snow and and the exhaustive cold. I know it seems like every yeah, year well, here. it's winter. I was going to say it was 2011 <laughs> or 2012. And it, it Charlotte, at least the all of it that I saw, this beautiful, good looking country. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Great brew pubs. Mm-hmm. I mean, this should be a celebrated you enjoyed natural. Charlotte. I did, I did. Uh, should be a celebrated natural and national resource, uh, and not uh, this unrest that's going on. Uh, Josh, cue up the Trump audio that we have. This is fairly short. There is, if I just read 
this comment to you without attaching a name to it. I think a lot of people would see the wisdom that, that I heard in this comment. But if you can't hear that because you've got the ear blinders on, because it's somebody that you've made your mind up that you don't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to listen to this. I think it's pretty short. It's just about uh, 30, 40 seconds. Uh, and then kind of get to what I liked about what he's saying here. Well, it really has to be. You have to have law and order at the same time. Talking about the riots have, last night. You know, you have to have a certain spirit, a certain unity. And there's no unity. You look at the level of hatred, the, you know, the rocks being thrown and everything happening. It's so sad to see, you know, that this is the United States of America. I mean, it's so... Sad to see, but there's just no unity. There has to be a unity message somehow that has to get out, and it starts with leadership. I like the fact that he didn't ride in and try to tell everybody what the problem was and how he was going to solve it. It seems that you get uh, government leadership, especially thinking that they know everything that's going on, that they have this sort of one-size-fits-all cure for the issue, I like the fact that he said we need leadership in this situation, and he didn't try to give a one-size-fits-all answer. I cut it down a little bit to save time, but he went on to simply say, you got to talk to people who are involved and see what kind of agreement you can come to. And I like the fact that you have somebody who's open-minded when they come to the issue. He doesn't already have his mind made up on how it needs to be done. And it, it takes a strong leader in any situation to say, I'm going to listen and then help you come to a conclusion instead of somebody who rides in and says, I already know what's wrong. I've got this one-size-fits-all plan. So I I think there was some wisdom there in in how he approached it. It's a very different message, too, from what we've seen from the feds in these uh, situations, and I'm going to take it back to Ferguson. Uh, and, and I'm and I'm not sure how how deeply involved the feds got uh, with, with Baltimore or if they're you know, uh, in, in increasingly insinuating themselves in uh, in Charm City uh, situations, but but yeah, the Feds and and we've talked about it before. The Feds want to uh, insinuate themselves into the local uh, police department dealings, uh, and we've talked about that that is a quasi nationalizing of police practices and tendencies. Where, as you're you're pointing out, and I think Donald Trump said, the people involved, the people who are there, are going to be able to understand and solve these things quicker than an outside force coming in and using a giant sledgehammer to say, no, this way and now and thump. Meanwhile, Hillary was wondering, literally, why she isn't 50 points ahead. She was uh, recording this for a, uh, a fundraiser uh, a propaganda fest uh, that was going on. Josh, go ahead and hit and me I with the Hillary. I will fight back against so-called right to work. Right to work is wrong for workers and wrong for America. Now, having said all this, why aren't I 50 points ahead, you might ask? That's got to be our new drive. Well, the choice for working families has never been clearer. I need your help to get Donald Trump's record out to everybody. Nobody should be fooled. He proudly declared himself 100% right to work. He even hired a union-busting firm to break up an organizing campaign at his hotel in Las Vegas, where you are right now. So that was Hillary. So they they Mm. apparently have at least one policy difference. Uh, She is anti-right to work. Of course, she needs that union money to continue rolling in, and she needs to appease the unions that she's taken the money from. Uh, And and Trump, 
uh, his right to work, and he has been considered a union buster because of that. I personally don't think uh, that that is tantamount to union busting. It's tantamount to uh, issuing a challenge to unions saying that maybe it's time that you did something besides collect dues and give people a reason that they want to be involved. Yeah, you can like make, it's a challenge. make the argument that Donald is uh, uh, being pro-right towards pro-freedom mm-hmm. uh, for, for workers, uh, and it, it only makes sense. I mean, she's incensed. He comes from the business sector. Right. Uh, she's been doing this dance with unions uh, right. he had most the temerity, of her life. He had the temerity to help himself in the private sector. Doesn't he know you're supposed to get rich off government? <laughs> the way that she and Bill did it. The cojones on this guy. Why right. aren't I up 50 points? That's going to be our new drop this morning on the morning meeting. All right, coming How up. How did we win eight? <laughs> Amendment 3 suddenly has people on all sides rallying against it in Missouri. We'll talk to Aaron Baker of Axiom Strategies about why and what else is going on in the Show Me State next on the morning meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. We missed stuff. Moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. Morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid, alongside you. Joined this morning by Aaron Baker of Axiom Strategies. Uh, good morning, Aaron. Good morning, guys. Uh, voters in Orlando Township, this is in uh, Cook County in Illinois, are going to vote to leave Cook County and join adjacent <laughs> Will County. I'm wondering if we want to uh, have a vote in Quincy Adams County to leave Illinois and join Missouri, if you'd be able to advise us on uh, how to go about doing that. <laughs> yeah, that would. I would, I would appreciate that, and uh, I would think of all parts of Illinois, that might be the conservative uh, border town that that would be welcomed by Missouri and and they welcome that idea. I like it. Yeah, we've been referred to in this part of Illinois as Forgottonia for a long time. One, we're so out of the way, and and two, this part of Illinois is is so red compared to the rest of the ultra blue state that I think they've just kind of uh, forgotten about the dissent that often comes from this part of Illinois. Uh, speaking of dissent. Uh, we've had a lot of, and Quaid was pointing this out, 110 state legislators now have suddenly decided to rally against, is it Amendment 3 or Prop 3, the uh, tobacco tax, Amend- Quaid? Amendment 3. The, Amendment the, 3. Why, why are we seeing price. suddenly all of this sort of across the aisle unity? Uh, it's, it's because there's something in Amendment 3 for everyone not to like. It's upset pro-life folks. It's upset folks that support stem cell research. You're going to see concerned women of America on the right and uh, NARAL perhaps on the left opposing this thing, which is quite a uh, quite a union, and it's an education issue and early childhood education funding for the kids. But NEA, Missouri retired teachers, and rural rural educators oppose it as well. So there's something in the tobacco tax for everyone not to like, and the the most troubling thing about it all is. Uh, the provisions that are causing so much uh, interest in this from a lot of a lot of groups, if passed, will be a part of the Constitution. So it's not like the legislature could come back in and tweak things. What what we do in the state's Constitution is forever, and a very very hard to change again. So that, that's why so many legislators are sounding the alarms. 
uh, Brian Munzlinger, uh, Lyndall Shoemaker, and, and dozens upon dozens of others have decided that this is is uh, not good for Missouri. So uh, pretty much everybody uh, here is uh, saying no or encouraging you to vote uh, no on Amendment 3. Well, if you've put together uh, this amendment, uh, there, there's a part of you that almost has to be proud that you've put something in there that everybody doesn't like. <laughs> I think they overthought it and tried to include too many things. Uh, it's important to note that you said that the entire delegation from Northeast Missouri is is opposed to it. It's important to note that Senator Maria Chappelle Nadal, uh, Representative Stacey Newman, uh, McCreary, mm-hmm. the far left, the progressive side of the legislature, also opposed. So, I mean, again, it's the far right and the far left against the tobacco tax. Uh, tobacco taxes in Missouri poll, poll fairly well until the last week of the election. So hopefully the message of those legislators to constituents will, will matter and will reach constituents in time for, for the vote in November. So break this down. What are the odds on this passing now? Boy, this is the third tobacco tax in about a decade in Missouri. It gets closer every time. It only failed by about a half of a percentage point. It's, uh, it's 50-50. It's going to be a tough race, and, and uh, one of the it, it will be the closest ballot uh, ballot race that there is in Missouri. Uh, the other ones are kind of lopsided uh, polling shows, but this Amendment 3, again, it's probably polling pretty well right now for the pro-Amendment 3 side on the tobacco tax, but by the end, it's, it's a 50-50 race, and it always is in the state uh, when it comes to raising tobacco taxes. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, with us this morning on the morning meeting. How do they parse the tobacco on this one, Aaron? Because it means different things to different people. Is it straight cigarettes? We now have uh, the, the, the vapor industry. Is this sort of everything that you can smoke under the sun, or is this strictly cigarettes? That's a really good question. It's uh, other tobacco products, OTP. They are not taxed in this proposal. So uh, any, any of the other products besides a 20-cigarette pack of cigarettes, as defined by the amendment, uh, is not included. Now, if manufacturers got smart, perhaps they would think about making a 30-pack, which does exist, of cigarettes. But this, this amendment narrowly focuses on a 20-pack of cigarettes. I would assume that and, uh, they would exist because if they don't, I was going to say, if they don't, then you have the same problem with beer and cigarettes as you do with hot dogs and hot dog buns, mm-hmm. which is you don't have the same number of each. You can get beers in a 30-pack, so I would assume <laughs> you could get cigarettes in a 30-pack. Aaron <laughs> Baker, Axiom Strategies, with us this morning on the morning meeting. Uh, is the wording of this uh, amendment uh, an, an issue as far as the, the yes and no, or is it uh, clear when people will be looking at their ballot? clear that you're voting against a tobacco tax or for a tobacco tax. The, the thing that's going to be confusing is that the makers of Joe Camel, Reynolds out of North Carolina, are the ones that are funding 90, more than 90% of this uh, campaign. So you think, why is a tobacco company funding a tobacco tax? It's a 60 cent tax on all cigarettes, but it's a buck 27 tax on uh, big tobacco's competitors, uh, Cheyenne, Excalibur. Uh, about what we call value brands in Missouri uh, or little tobacco. So that's the confusing thing. The funders of it are are, are tobacco company is one tobacco company. Uh, but it's very clear when you vote that you're voting yes or no on a tobacco tax. 
it's very interesting. You've talked about this before where it gets confusing what the tax rate will be for big tobacco versus small tobacco. It's actually going to be higher on small tobacco under Amendment 3. This seems to me like a, a, a bit of a dirty pool. You're, you're using the force of law and the tax code to undercut the price competition. Or using, it, clearly, this is an early childhood education proposal using children. Uh, to help, you might as well and, and just show pictures tobacco. of kids smoking. Aaron. Tobacco, this is that's right. For big tobacco, this is a big, <laughs> big thing. In most states, like Illinois, uh, these value brands only represent one percent of, of sales of, of market share. In Missouri, it's about twenty-five percent of the market share. Ooh. So we're talking about a five hundred million dollar impact on big tobacco if they can get this passed. So I understand why uh, Joe Campbell is raising his hand for kids here. Aaron Baker, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Aaron, uh, new polls from the Missouri Times show that uh, Chris Coster has uh, upped his uh, at least polling lead over Eric Greitens to 10 points uh, over the last uh, week or so. Uh, I got, what, seven weeks before the election? What does Eric Greitens have to do to kind of chip away at, at those polls? Okay, so Missouri Times now using Remington Research Group uh, for their polling, which is a sister company of Axiom. Uh, We talk a lot about most scouts polling, which is also uh, Remington Research Group. Very accurate polling. We're seeing a lot of of head-to-heads coming out of Remington Research Group in the last 10 days. All of them have almost every Republican up by about 10 points Mm -hmm. in Missouri, except for Greitens, who's down about 10 points. Uh, you might think that Greitens perhaps should start moving a little bit more to the right even for a general election. If everyone else is going to like the Republican candidates, why not try to be uh, more of one? And the interesting thing, though, is that if this is a wave election, and we all know Clinton is not exciting to the Democratic Party and is not going to get minorities out to vote more so than Barack Obama or any other um, a candidate, perhaps, uh, if this is a wave election in Missouri and Democrats don't spend money here and, and the wind gets out of candor sales, Greitens could possibly ride the coattails of uh, Trump and, and the red state moving redder movement in Missouri. Uh, he's going to have to be uh, conservative. He's going to have to get the money that has been promised to him, which I I don't think that he will lose for lack of funding. Um, And I also don't think that he is going to make a Todd Aiken-type mistake. Uh, So what Greitens needs to do is just put his head down, keep raising money, be conservative, and hope to ride out the wave election. Coster's not going to make a mistake, by the way, either. You, you talk about the, the other Republicans uh, that are polling about uh, 10 points ahead. You're talking about uh, Jay Ashcroft, uh, uh, Roy Blunt. Is, is, does, does he, and I'm looking through what the Missouri Times has here, does, is he 10 points ahead polling-wise as well? No, and that one's getting closer. So uh, Jason Kander had a good ad that came out with him assembling a gun. Uh, Roy Blunt responded with, this, with running the same ad and reminding folks that he has an F from the NRA or has had an F for the NRA. That race is getting closer, and it's not helping Missouri. That race is in Ohio and Florida. Uh, re- Republicans, uh, Rob Portman and Marco Rubio, are pulling away in those states, and so it frees up money to go into states that are traditionally Republican mm-hmm. where they need to pick up seats somewhere. Uh, they're relying on a good recruit and, and Jason Kander to pull that off. 
I had hoped that Roy Blunt, uh, and he was doing so and, and very active in his campaign, was going to kind of bury him. Uh, but Jason Kander, at least at this point in late September, is not going away, and that, that race is actually getting closer. Uh, also, uh, Josh Hawley, uh, I believe, what, nine-point lead over uh, right. Ter- Teresa Hensley. So, yeah, uh, I- I'm going to come back to what you were saying earlier with uh, Republicans uh, seeming to have uh, at least polling leads, comfortable polling leads. You would think that ultimately that would help Eric Greitens uh, at the end of the day. That's right, and you've got to remember, here we, here we are uh, with a lot of open statewide seats. Republicans usually don't win those in the state, even though they have huge majorities in the, the legislature. And if Republicans are successful in winning in this time, they'll be able to hold those seats for a while. There's a ballot amendment that will likely pass that if courts allow to exist will bring campaign contribution limits back to the state. Mm-hmm. So if Republicans can kind of sweep in right ahead of those elections, that will be a little bit easier for them to hold on to those statewide seats uh, after that game-changing move uh, likely gets approved by voters. Yeah, it almost seems like a win this time around is worth kind of a win and a half because you're going to be in place if that uh, change of the game, so to speak, uh, is allowed to happen. So it'll be very interesting to see what can be capitalized on. Is there anything else moving the meter, Aaron? Uh, you know, we we aren't going to see mistakes by Greitens and Coster, and so that will make things in Missouri a lot less interesting. This presidential race is going to have a huge impact on every race in Missouri, and that's what we really are watching. Uh, the realtors have a huge Amendment 4 that's on the ballot. It's quite confusing. Uh, it makes it to where you're not going to be able to – the state will not put a sales tax on services if you get your uh, – uh, a, a haircut, mm-hmm. no sales tax on that. If you have a realtor working for you, that's going to be a big issue with a lot of spending. It's going to be tough for the realtors to get that over the hump, but they're going to work hard on it uh, because it's important to them. But it's very confusing for voters to vote yes to stop a tax increase. They're just not used to that. So that's another thing on the radar. Lots of issues to vote on Missouri. A crowded ballot over $50 million on the airwaves, and we're, we're getting ready to hunker down and, and really get into this in the state. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the realtor issue. We're going to have to walk through that in detail one of these times coming up on the mm-hmm. show. Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Aaron, thanks so much. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks. We'll see you next week. All right, we'll wrap it up next here on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. I may have started something during the break that uh, I didn't mean to start necessarily. Look, you're going to be gone on Monday, and there's going to be nobody to stop me from going live. <laughs> to producer Josh! <laughs> We're going live to NASA. <laughs> you got the real meeting. You're going to join really in. So the day of the 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 presidential debate, oh. you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna join Unf- the NASA announcement in progress. Unfortunately, no, is it's going to be at one o'clock our time in the ah. afternoon. So oh man, she'll be over. Let all the air out of the balloon. NASA has apparently an announcement uh, about Europa, one of the, one of the moons of, of Jupiter. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was today, but it turns out it's coming up on on Monday. And I and I caught 
uh, Sean by surprise with it when I said, what, what was that announcement? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, when, when, wasn't NASA supposed to make an announcement about Europa today? And then I, I won't, th- there was some excitement in the room and some uh, furious clicking of uh, the interwebs to find out that, no, the announcement's actually coming up on Monday. Yeah, the announcement's coming up on Monday, and they had already made the announcement. You were, like, saying that they're going to say they found life. And I'm like, that's what uh, a lot of people, well, they, like it was little a, gray men. And the, the first headline is right, NASA was, to not announce aliens found. NASA says confirming no aliens on Europa. <laughs> well, they had already they had announced a long time ago that they found now, ice wait a minute. there. Now, wait a minute. Some time ago that they had found ice there. We would be aliens on Europa. True. Local life there wouldn't be alien to Europa. True. Yeah. Well, no, when you say to the non-space crowd aliens, they think of like the grays. You know, what you see in movies. Flying saucers, that yeah, whole deal. that kind you know of stuff. I mean? Thank the, you, Josh. The yeah. Great Kazoo. Uh, sure. <laughs> Marvin the Martian. Plan 9 from outer space. <laughs> yes. Who knows? Uh, no, but, you know, Marvin would be on, on Mars. He's a Martian. Still. Um, <laughs> but no, they're not going. They, they, this could be that they found liquid water under the ice. It could be anything. That's why they host a, a press conference. So I'm a little bit disappointed that we won't be able to go live to NASA. The rest of the audience is not disappointed Well, that we won't be able to go live to join it in progress. I know. Uh, Well, we don't even have time to to get into this right now. Uh, A mobile home park owner uh, in California is having to fight the government to develop his property. The government Uh. in California is using or attempting to use a twisted version of eminent domain to keep him... From redeveloping his own property. He has land. Their, their excuse is that it would his redevelopment would impose too large of a hardship on those who already live there. That's right. I think I need more details. I, yeah, we're going to have to get into this. This might be a great topic for uh, Dwayne Lester coming up on Wednesday. Ooh, we get more into right. it. Yeah, it's a confusing one that has a lot of issues at stake. Property rights, government uh Government uh, uh, trying to stomp on those rights and right. so forth. This would wind him up. Coming up tomorrow, Quaid is away. Any coincidence he's going to be gone during the live announcement on Monday? I say no! Darren LaHood, Craig Robinson, coming up tomorrow right here on The Morning Meeting. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.